I heard a pastor say one time that he was raised in a church that believed in healing. On Wednesday night, once a month, as long as the person who was sick wasn't there. So I think they need to work on their faith a little bit more. And yeah, that's better. Thank you. So good morning. I feel like we have a short message this morning, but a message from the Lord for today. The whole book is his word. We know that. But the word for today is what I always seek. And while I'm praying, if you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 3, that's where we're going to be reading this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you know every need we have before we bring it to you. And we also know, Lord, and thank you that your might and your power, the Holy Spirit that you sent is more than able to accomplish everything that we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, I'm going to talk about four kings this morning. And you can follow along on the map to see where these are. I thought this was a really good, uh, easy map to see and understand. Israel's king at this time in 2 Kings chapter 3 was named Jehoram. And as you know, there was a period of time that God allowed unholy kings to be the king of Israel because the people fell into idolatry. And this is one of those times. So the kingdom of Israel, the son of the wicked Ahab and Jezebel, were his parents. Jehoram was the king of Israel. Judah's king was Jehoshaphat. And he was certainly not an ungodly king. He was what I would consider a mostly godly king. But he fell into an unholy alliance with Ahab and forgot about his God for a period of time. Then there is Edom's king, and you can see where Edom is. His king was unnamed. The reason for that was because the Bible commentaries that I read said that he was a deputy king, and the Bible did not typically name deputy kings outside of Solomon, I believe, had a or Saul had a de deputy king. But anyway, this one is not named, but he still acted on behalf of Edom as his king. Then the fourth king is Moab's king, and he was King Mesha. He was the powerful, evil enemy who was set to invade and conquer the other three kingdoms of Israel, Judah, and Edom. And we're going to be reading chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. So if you want to follow along there, verse 9. So the king of Israel went with, or joined forces with, the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And when they had made a circuitous march of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. And then the king of Israel, Jehoram, said, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. 
But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet in of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah, meaning that they were very close, they traveled together, and he was Elijah's personal assistant, so he poured water on his hands to wash Elijah's hands. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father Ahab and your mother Jezebel. But Jehoram, the king of Israel, said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. He wanted nothing to do with him. But in verse 15, Elisha said, Now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, Thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see the wind nor the rain, but that stream bed shall be filled with water so that you shall drink, you, your livestock, and your animals. And then in verse 18, Elisha said these words, If this is a light thing, an easy thing in the sight of the Lord, and he will also give the Moabites into your hand, and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree and stop up all the springs of water and ruin every good piece of land with the stones. And we'll conclude the reading with verse 20. The next morning, about the time of the offering of the sacrifice, behold, water came from Edom till the country was filled with water. I want to say a few things about this passage. Number one, when making alliances, we'd better make sure of who we are partnering with. There is a reason that the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But in addition to that, we'd better make sure that among the partnership, there is a God-fearing man who knows how to get before God and pour out his heart and spirit and ask for the needs of the people. 
We didn't read verses 1 through 3, but they tell us that Jehoshaphat was making a plan with the evil Jehoram, who was just minimally better than Ahab and Jezebel, for at least he had torn down the pillars of Baal in the land, but he did not and refused to depart from the other sins of his fathers and the likes of Jeroboam that made Israel fall into sin. And God held it against both Jeroboam and Jehoram that they made Israel fall into sin. Number two, we better count the cost before embarking on a war with our enemy. Jehoram could not withstand Moab without help. So he went to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, for help. And Jehoshaphat said, oh yes, we will help you. My people will be your people. My horses will be your horses. We will fight right alongside you. But they failed to entreat God in this little plan and they ran out of water. After marching seven days in a circle, the Bible said they had no water for themselves nor the horses, and they were going to be killed at the hand of Moabites without help from God. But Jehoshaphat's memory returned, thank God, and he remembered his God, for he said, wait a minute, isn't there a prophet of God in this country that we can go to and that we can call on to ask God for his help? Yes, there is a prophet, and his name is Elisha. He's here, the servant said, and he has the double portion mantle of Elijah on him, and he knows the ropes because he traveled with Elijah and saw the miracles that God performed. Now, Elisha didn't want to help the wicked Jehoram, but he did have love in his heart for Jehoshaphat, so he agreed to help. Then Elisha called for the musician. Can I just tell you, this touched my heart so much. He told that musician to play a song, play some praise and worship background music, and let it set the atmosphere for Elisha to get before God and center his thoughts on the almighty need-meeting God that he was going to go before and call out to God in prayer. And if I could just use a little imagination here, maybe this musician, this minstrel, as the King James calls him, played the song from Psalm 124, verse 1, where David said, If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, oh, tell me, where would I be? Where would I be? We surely would have been swallowed up by our enemy. Verse 2 might have said this, We would have drowned in the flood waters and been swept away forever. And the third verse may have said, Oh, maybe this was the chorus that said, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. And maybe the bridge 
Donnie and I have talked about, or Audrey and I actually have talked about bridges in modern day songs. I don't like a lot of them. It's like they have this beautiful verse, second verse, and then they fabricate this unrelated portion that sticks it in the middle and call it a bridge. And it, I don't know, I, I don't get the whole point of it. But maybe the bridge in this song said, and we have escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler and our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What a song he must have played because that's when the Bible says the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha and he began to prophesy, thus saith the Lord. Now the need was twofold. First, they had to have water just to sustain the armies and the animals for the battle. But they needed the hand of God to turn the tide of this to victory or they surely would have been defeated. Verse 16 said, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. You will not have to search for the water. It will just be there. It will come to you. As I was reading through this, this God is my witness. Sitting in my office in my chair, the Lord said, don't put me in a box. Don't try to tell me how to bring the water to you. The Bible says you won't see the rain. You won't hear the wind. There won't be any clouds visible for you to say, Oh, goody, here comes the water. No, God said, I have my own ways. I'll bring the water to you however I choose, but it'll be there for you. Oh, that was a humility, uh, causing a humility to come into me. Lord, I don't ever want to be guilty of telling you how to do your work. It's not my job to do that. Amen. Elisha said, this is an easy thing. This is a light thing for the Lord, but he's not going to stop with just the water. For he gave the enemy into their hands fully and completely if they obeyed what he told them to do. God had no intentions of leaving the land inhabitable for any of the Moabites to go back to. He said, plug up the wells, put the stones on the ground so that nothing can grow that would sustain them because this idol-worshiping people had to go. Verse 20 says that the next morning, about the time of prayer and sacrifice, they looked out and behold, there was water everywhere. The pools of water had filled up. And the Bible says that God brought the water from the direction of Edom. Do you see Edom is on the bottom and Israel and and Judah were on the top, he brought it from the bottom up and they were able to sustain the armies and feed the horses the water that they needed. 
We didn't read past verse 20, but the Moabites were so caught off guard that King Misha looked out in the morning and he saw the water everywhere. But the Bible says that to his eye, he saw blood. He thought that the Moabites had been slaughtered and the blood was running in the, in the land. So in defeat, he took his own son and laid him on the wall of the city and set him on fire and sacrificed him to his God. When things are about to change the course of our lives, we'd better go to God in humility. We'd better put on some music that we can put in the background that will elevate our faith and lift our spirits, that we can call out before God and seek his help. When Doug was a baby, maybe two or three months old, just a little bitty guy, we lived in a duplex on Union Avenue kind of between Campbell and Cambrian area. And Jim was out of work and things were so bad. There was no income. It was in the winter time. I had just had a baby. Well, actually it was in the spring because Doug was born in March. Yeah, you have a birthday coming up pretty soon. <laughs> and the bills were due and Jim said, I'm going in my room or in our bedroom to pray. And he knelt down at the bed, and I was holding the baby in the rocking chair and feeding him, and we both began to pray in, in the separate rooms, and five minutes did not go by, and the phone rang. And Jim answered the phone in the bedroom that was right there on the bedside table, and he answered the phone, and it was Bobby Garner, my brother-in-law, and he said, Jim, Get dressed for work. I'm coming to pick you up right now. I've got a good job for you. Just get ready and I'll be there to pick you up. That job was for Leap Homes, one of the largest builders in the 70 in these valleys, in this valley, in the Almaden Valley. God opened a door, but beyond that door was a ladder. Because every rung of that ladder was climbing higher and higher and higher and putting him from learning the foundation of building to the rooftop of building to the sales side of the building and the business side of the building. And that one job put him in the pathway on the road, climbing that ladder, so to speak, to become a licensed contractor all on his own. We took the pastorate in Tulare, California. Donnie was little then. He was just maybe, well, he was born there. And Jim built a house for the district superintendent, Nelson Parkerson, in Selma, California, which I would say is the second hottest place on the planet besides Texas. <laughs> But oh, did he learn. He'd already had that job and he already knew the basics and he knew he could put the house together and they loved the outcome of the house. Just like God did for Israel, 
Not only did he provide for our immediate need at the moment, but he provided for the future by preparing him to be a contractor. Elisha said it's a light thing for God to do this. We may not be able to see how God is going to meet a need. We may not see the wind and the rain. I had no idea that Bobby had a contact with one of the biggest builders in this valley who needed a carpenter, which Jim wasn't. But he learned and he gained that experience and he gained that, uh, attained that title in that. And it built our faith to know that even though we couldn't see where it was coming from, God answered prayer. Isaiah 40 and 12, and I'm saying this in clothing. Isaiah 40, 12 says, Lord, you scooped up the oceans in the palms of your hands. You measured the sky between your little finger and your thumb, the span of his hand. He has every power. He has every ability to meet us at our Moab, whatever and wherever that is. Do you believe it this morning? If you do, stand to your feet. And I'm going to take this one step further. We don't know where the people and the workers are going to come from for Calvary Temple Church. We just don't see the wind. We don't see the cloud or the rain coming down of bringing the people in. But I'm telling you, God is the meter of our needs, the answerer of our prayers, and it is not hard for him. Maybe we merge with another church like Terry's church did this morning as it was announced. I don't know how God is going to do it, but I know this. I can turn on some music and I can get on my face before a God who hears and answers prayer and he will send the help. Amen. If you want to come forward, feel free to come forward. Oh, Father, we thank you. How we thank you, Lord, that you are God and we are not. And that we have the ability to come to you, oh God, and say, Lord, we don't know where it's coming from. We don't even understand how we're going to keep going, Lord. We don't know these things, but you... You have everything at your disposal. You hold the ocean in the palms of your hands and you measured out the sky. You put a name on every star in the sky, Lord. We have all confidence in you. Lord, we bring the needs that we have today. We bring our Moabs, Lord. We bring unsaved loved ones. We bring, Lord, financial needs. We bring questions of our lives, Lord. Where are we going next? What will be the next steps for us? We bring them to you this morning and ask, Oh, Holy Spirit, you who can do the work and we cannot, 
we give it to you and ask God in your mercy bring us the water oh Lord fill the country with pools of water oh God from wherever you see to bring it from it's up to you that we may feed the hungry that we may get the word oh God of your son Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us and that others can come to know you as well Lord we bring our broken bodies we bring our broken relationships we bring our broken spirits oh Lord our Moabs to you and say oh God here we are help us Lord for your name is where our help comes from it's your word Lord it's not wishful thinking it is in the in the word of God and you wrote it Lord and we stand upon your word oh just thank him and praise him this morning
Doug, would you dismiss us in prayer this morning? Amen. Amen. God bless you.